Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the Watt. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome back for the last time for the 2021 season to the NBC Sports Edge DFS Building Block Show Divisional Round episode. As always, I'm your host, John Daigle, joined by friend in life, Kyle Dvorak. Kyle, we are coming off a fun playoff slate that, honestly, we no longer do the review show, but if I had to say the takeaway being one thing, it's that you need to check those lineups after every single game, especially in these shorter slates that span across multiple days, because the late swap is where it's at. That's how you get your edge, even in knowing like what happens the first game. And we'll get to the first game because with four games on this slate, we're going to go game by game, of course, and talk theory for both two game and four game slates. But overall, we just definitely need to make sure we are checking, for instance, this weekend, right after Bengals Titans, no matter what happens for the ownership percentage. And then, of course, what we should do beyond that, because let's say you play a lower rostered Julio Jones, a Tyler Boyd and then they go off, or at least 80 yards and a touchdown at 7%, you already know what you're working with. You know what your lineup has at 7%, and thus you can adjust accordingly for the next three games. So I would say that was the biggest takeaway, honestly, from this past week. Yeah, I was not available for the last show, but we talked about, it might have been just after the last show, or if not, we were just texting about it. There's just such a massive edge when you can gain not just the information from the first game, but a first full day of games that people will still not be adjusting to. Like, people just don't, like, uh, like there are people who are on, like, the, you know, the DraftKings players board or whatever it's called, whatever they call it. And, like, you know, Blender HD on Twitter, I think it's Blender HD on Twitter, talks about this. Like, a fraction of a percent of DraftKings users actually utilize the late swap despite it being a massive advantage and especially when you look look at tournaments there's only equity in first so many of these tournaments you look at them and like half of the payout is in first place so we need to be maximizing our chances of pushing up the board even if it means we take what seems like dumb risks right and the perfect chance to take those dumb risks is once we have acquired information in the first second or third game but getting that extra overnight chance to really reassess is really useful and it's a useful tool that one percent of people are actually going to utilize completely agree and let's jump into it because i will have many thoughts on how to attack even two game slates as we move along here and late swapping opportunities that we can get to so let's jump into it because we start with the Bengals titans and it is interesting because it seems like the titans are 
the most discounted number one seed I can recall in like the last half decade. The public, of course, is mushing Joe Burrow and the Bengals offense that didn't even go off against the Raiders as we expected, wanted to be underweight on their passing attack. And we did so quite fine, even though Jamar Chase, seven targets in the first half, Pepper with targets, also 100 yards in that game. So if he started the slate off that way, that was totally fine. But the steam on Joe Burrow was uncalled for, as I think it is again in this game. In my opinion, if the Bengals have success, it will be through the air. It won't be through Joe Mixon, especially since the Titans have permitted 8.3 yards per attempt to opposing wide receivers, nearly 13 yards per catch, and the second most fantasy points to wide outs. Opponents actually targeted receivers at the league's highest rate against Tennessee, which are more like a pass funnel, 64% of the time. So if the Bengals attack, I imagine it'll be through the air. Having said that, I think everyone, the public especially, thinks Joe Burrow, thinks the Bengals offense will have success. And with the Titans healthy, which we haven't seen for majority of the time, Sharp Football's Rich Rebar even pointed out that Ryan Tannehill, Julio Jones, Derrick Henry, A.J. Brown were only on the field altogether for 10% of Tannehill snaps this year, and that's when he averaged over nine yards per attempt. Like, we just haven't seen the Titans at full strength. And now that we get them at full strength against a game, against a, a team that is being backed by the public, uh, I do think the Titans cover, first of all, minus three-and-a-half-point favorites. But also, I, I I worry that this is the game, especially if we're trying to play Bengals players. And maybe it's not a worry since we think everyone's going to play Burrow and double stacks anyhow, that the Titans just kind of roll. Like, they just quietly go off into the night, they take care of business, and move on to the AFC Championship. That's interesting. I My opinion was looking at this slate that there are three games between a 47 and 48 total. Super tight grouping. They're all the same, give or take. Like There's no difference in the totals. It's just how it's split up between the teams. And then there is a really massive potential shootout in KC Buffalo with the 54-point total last I checked. In my opinion, that game is going to be the most stacked game by a wide margin. Quarterbacks, receivers, tight end, obviously. Do you think that like Joe Burrow passes either of Josh Allen or... Patrick Mahomes and ownership because I, I really thought it was those two in a tier of their own and pricing on this slate is like really soft like look at to that, to that point really quick on the pricing it's interesting because they did a service to everyone and going down on everyone right so like you can't afford top tier players if you get intricate with your lineups especially on DraftKings but also in doing that then you have to ask yourself like well can I play Tyler Boyd at like only 700 less than T Higgins who has a higher ceiling. So you're left with those kind of questions and pivots throughout. Yeah. It's sort of like, like almost NBA like where you're like, just how many, how many projected points can I give up by making just a, a worse play? Like Tyler Boyd is just a worse play, even at his price, but you have to make that hard decision in the way, at least you have to think about that in the way that most people don't think about it. Cause the majority of the field is like, how can I score a bunch of points? We're really, we're not trying to score a bunch of points. We're trying to beat our opponents in usually the grimiest, you know, low scoring type of slate ways as possible. So I thought that, Joe Burrow, maybe like the third most owned quarterback, but I thought even if he reaches third, which that probably makes sense, it would be a teardrop from quarterbacks one and two because there is one like obvious shootout spot on the slate and then a bunch of still good games. No, no low scoring games, at least per Vegas. Do you have a thought on how to handle the Bengals passing attack beyond Burrow? Since we know Chase will still be the highest rostered, I imagine. Maybe T. Higgins get out rosters him since it, Higgins Higgins was last week, I believe, at least in like that mid stakes stuff. Jamar Chase uh, is only sixteen percent like last week. I do wonder though if well. it's still everyone still gets on him this week, or just everyone tries to be sharp like a Robbie Anderson play and get ahead of the pack and play T. Higgins instead. If that's the case, I, I actually think I, I I do actually think Tyler Boyd's the better play than T. Higgins here. Just the fact that especially in the past couple of weeks. 
The Titans have really leaked production to the slot receiver. We saw Hunter Renfro with eight catches last week. We saw in weeks in week 18, Danny Amendola paced him for a touchdown and lots of yards. So I actually like Tyler Boyd quite a bit in this slate. And that's even to start like in four game slates. I like starting with Tyler Boyd at cheap. Yeah, I think T. Higgins will end up being more popular, just like we saw last week, just because the savings going to T. Higgins, who has uh, like shown an awesome ceiling and then shows really dry spells, as we've seen throughout the year, but his just overall volume for his pretty tepid price, I think just like we saw last week, will make him more popular than Chase. And I think Chase also exists in a price range at 7,100. Like people are going to be choosing to go to Debo, who just has never heard of such things as efficiency. Guy just doesn't understand how math works. Or Devontae for right. only 1,000, like 1,300 more, if I'm eyeballing the math, 1,400 more. Uh, Cooper Cup right in that same price range. He's almost in like a no man's lane where why wouldn't you just pay the extra 1,500 to go up to super elite Cooper Cup or Devontae Adams? Or why would you not pay a little less to go down to, you know, Stephon Diggs or Tyreek Hill? His pricing is quite strange. Although, Hill's been quite dry lately. So to me, I think he exists in a weird price range and people also want to play T Higgins. So I think Chase comes in unpopular as an elite player can on a four game slate, not, you know, two, 3%, but like in that, you know, 15 to 20% where we will get probably Cooper cup 30 plus something like that. Just not a lot of choices. And you can spend up at a few spots because pricing is so, so. If that's the case, I'm very interested in playing them since yeah. we've seen in their last three games. And I said this in the preview show, but I'll repeat it. Jamar Chase season high, 35.2% target share last week. And then if you exclude eight, week 18 when he was playing minimal reps with Brandon Allen to chase the rookie records. He's put together three consecutive starts with double-digit targets and a team-high 29% target share. We've seen pretty much the target tree, the pendulum, swing his way now. And so like, he should be everyone's favorite option, regardless of salary. Especially if T. Higgins, like you said, becomes the guy, as we've done so many times and talked about so many times this year, that is a good tournament play because he's supposed to be low roster. But then suddenly everyone knows he's a good tournament play. He's not low rostered. Thus, he's not a good tournament play. That's kind of what feels like it's going to happen with Higgins. So I prefer uh, Jamar Chase and Tyler Boyd in that order. And again, I don't mind starting Tyler Boyd. On the other side of the ball, for two games of slates especially, I like Ryan Tannehill over Joe Burrow quite a bit. You can double stack, if not triple stack, if you want to get sneaky with Anthony Berkser over C.G. Ozoma. Ryan Tannehill... And then hope he sucks up Derrick Henry's carries inside the five. It sounds like Derrick Henry is going to be at full speed. Like everyone between Titans beat writers, mm -hmm. between Greg Cosell and Ross Tucker's podcast, everyone assumes he's going to get 20 plus carries and has been ready to go for the last couple of weeks. The Titans have just been sly with his injury news. And so given his salary, 7,500, and now I'm backing up and saying for four game slates, I didn't want to play Derrick Henry. Like, I wanted to fade him. I faded him in the FFPC round one challenges. But now we go to round two, and we're talking about only the divisional round for DFS slates. And I think he's an awesome play at a salary. I, I bet he's less than 20% rostered because everyone's going to try to jam in, like, a, like the Burrow stacks or the Burrow passing attack at least, and then probably get a run back with negative game script with A.J. Brown or getting cute with Julio Jones. And so I actually think Derrick Henry is an awesome play for the four game slates. Yeah. In terms of his overall usage, I would imagine like the, the initial report, like the, once we started getting close to him getting back was that he, he possibly could have returned to week 18 if it was a like 
playoff play in situation, but it was a pretty yeah. obvious spot where they weren't going to need him. So they played that game with Deonta Foreman with the idea to give him that full slate of the, the double week of rest when he could have potentially played week 18. So I totally agree. I don't think we get any limiting of his reps. I think AJ Brown is probably the only Titan who is really that popular. I don't think Julio Jones will be that popular, although he led the team in targets, finally scored his first touchdown as a Titan, I believe in week 18 as well. I just think people have too many bad memories of Julio Jones and there's not really a reason to get like Julio Jones is good, but on a slate where like all these teams have elite receivers, he's no longer among the elite receivers on the slate. So I really don't think he's that popular. I think he's probably around 10%, like somewhere in that like Odell Beckham type of range, well below the uh, the chalky type of option. So to me, I think Julio Jones would be a really good pivot. I think Derrick Henry is probably reasonably popular. I don't think he's Leonard Fournette popular, like especially looking at the yeah. playoff content. We were looking at Leonard Fournette as the like chalkiest of the chalk running backs you will ever see for playoff content until we started cropping up with the injury news. But like, you know, Crane doing the projections for playoff ownership, everyone was just completely all in on Leonard Fournette and understandably so we even had Bruce Arians talking about as soon as he comes back he is going to get the full workload and he seems like he totally should be ready for this game and no Ronald Jones so I still think Derrick Henry is somewhat popular because pricing allows you to fit a stud receiver and that player's quarterback plus Derrick Henry I do think though people are more likely to look at the like double explosive receiver and then just pay for mid to cheap, you know, Devin Singletary or Elijah Mitchell, stuff like that. Well, that's why I'm projecting, I think, Derrick Henry higher than you rostered because no one wants to pay up when everyone's trying to fit the wide receivers. And so it probably entails a fade of one of Devontae Adams and Cooper Cup, but with Derrick Henry having a higher ceiling, than significantly higher ceiling than Fournette and higher ceiling than, in my, in my estimation, any running back on this slate. Easily, yeah. Yeah, that's why I want to get on him for sure. Now, on the two-game slate, let me ask you, do you think it's okay, even in a two-game, to play Tannehill with Derrick Henry? Because I want to be over the field on Tannehill, even in two games. I want all the Tannehill I can have. In four games, I would say I still like Tannehill, but I think it's getting too cute knowing we have three more games and we're kind of waiting for the, the main event at Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes stacks. Yeah. And so, like, I don't want to be left holding the bag in the very first game not being able to swap at a onesie position. So I'm not going to have the courage admittedly, I could already tell you, to not to play Tannehill in four games. But in two games, I want to be overweight. What do you think about Henry and Tannehill together? I think you'd even do it together. I think it really just depends on the contest size, actually, because like we saw, I'll probably reference this lineup a few times because I think it's a really smart lineup. Alex Baker's Millie Maker winning lineup, his first ever mm -hmm. Millie, was on a full, I, I assume it was like 11 or 13 games or whatever, you know, full normal regular season slate where it was probably a 500 or maybe a thousand person contest. It was a small contest. And at that point, he was like, if the Seahawks drop 50, I win this contest. Hands down, no one else can beat me. They did. Seahawks scored 50 and you want a Millie maker, but there is so much, you don't need the 50 point performance from a team when you only have eight total teams on a slate, eight total teams, not eight games, eight total teams. You need 35, maybe, maybe 42 or something like that. And you are almost locked in assuming those touchdowns just distribute to like, you get one or two from Derrick Henry. You don't need him to go for 45. You just need 27, 28 because they could just be not a lot of good running backs. So I think even on the four gamer in mid to small contest, you can definitely still play the passing attack with Derrick Henry, who despite being a little more involved as a pass catcher this season is still not, you know, a, an integral part of the passing game. I still think though, just because there are going to be so few options to go to, and that will be a unique way to approach especially the four gamer, but two gamer as well. I would totally play Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill in the same lineup. And I know this is true last year, 
both he, AJ Brown, and Tannehill were all positively correlated, despite the fact that Derrick Henry doesn't really, like, on any individual play, have a high level of correlation. But the offense kind of just has a success that rides together. That was without Julio Jones. I don't think it makes much of a difference, though. I think the offense overall is so highly correlated that when one player gets going, they all get going. So I would say I'm totally comfortable easily on the two-game, not even a question, but frankly, on the four-game or two, I would play them all together in medium-small field contests. It's expensive to get all of them, at least expensive on this slate, uh, to get Derrick Henry with the rest of them, but I don't think that's that big of an issue. You just have you have to say, like, you know, we better get a 35-point game immediately, and if not, you're probably just done. You're, you don't even have to lay swap. You're done. And again, with small slates, guessing the narrative is so important to your building your lineups. And so, like, if you told me, for, especially in a two-game slate, to guess which one goes over the total, I would easily pick this one. Even in liking the Titans a lot more, I would pick this one over the next one we're about to talk about. Also, as you mentioned, Julio Jones did lead the, t- lead the team with an 18.5% target share in Week 18. But if you step back and look, and this is just food for thought for everyone, if you're stacking the Titans, recall that A.J. Brown led the team with a 33.5% target share and the six full games he finished with Julio Jones this year. And that includes week 18. So AJ Brown's still the one you want to prioritize above all. And the four game though, if you're trying to get a little thin, get a little cute there at the end, I still, and I thought he'd pick up for week 18. I don't think so though. I actually think Julio Jones is going to be, like you said, under 10%, uh, very low single digits for the four game slate. And so if you want to go there, not egregious, it's a four game slate. I'm fine with that. Moving on though, we'll discuss pivots along the way here because the night game, 49ers Packers. I want to hear your thoughts on where you're leaning and how to attack this game. I think this will be the least popular game on the four gamer. I mean, it'd be the least popular game probably in the two gamer as well, but correct me if I'm wrong though. The four gamer has easily the biggest, biggest prize pools on DraftKings. I haven't checked on FanDuel yet, but I believe it has. That's featured this week. Uh, two games still have good, good prizes, but the featured, unlike last yeah. week when the two, two games were featured or the two exactly. and three, That's what I yeah, to make the, sure. the four game is featured this week. And then you have two good two slates, which is the way it's supposed to be. <laughs> That's the way God intended. So on, yes. I, I will mostly reference the four gamer, although I'll definitely be in the two game streets as well. I've built lineups for all. So like I'm here, yeah, I'm here yeah. to help. Yeah. So for the four gamer, I think this will be the least popular game by a considerable margin. It's the worst weather, but it's not whether we're actually concerned about it. I've seen like people tweet about how it's going to be cold and a little blustery, but winds are right now looking like, you know, 10 miles an hour and temperature at like nine degrees. I think Chris Allen can attest to this, but unless you get like ice bowl temperatures, there's no like mathematically measured effect of temperature versus, uh, versus like quarterback performance or anything, unless you truly get to like frostbite temperature. So that's not an issue. doesn't like, like winds an issue. And these are probably maybe the least exciting offenses I'd argue on the, the whole four game slate, but I don't care how exciting an offense is. It has the almost identical total it has a one point total less than every game that is non Kansas city versus Buffalo. It has, you know, half point total less than Tennessee versus uh, Bengals and one point less than the other game. So I don't think scoring projects to be that much different. I just think people have perception of these two teams as probably the, the least interesting, but I, I don't really care. It looks like it should score the same. It will have, the least popular quarterback of the slate by a considerable margin. I don't know if that means I get to Jimmy G or not. I would consider going to uh, at least Aaron Rodgers in the spot. And who do you think is more popular, Devontae Adams or Cooper Cup? My answer is I think Cooper Cup is, is probably a good bit more popular. And dude, just give me the other one. They have the exact same amount, six, I believe, 30-point-plus games, and they both have one 40-point game. They're the exact same proposition. I think one of them is far less popular, so I'll take Devontae. And our DFS toolkit, for whatever it's worth, we are projecting Cooper Cup with to basically score eight to 10 more points than Devontae Adams. And I think that's because Devontae Adams, in my opinion, is a floor play. Uh, Cooper Cup has the higher ceiling. Now, 
Devontae Adams is an amazing ceiling as well. But we know that Devontae Adams, just in the fact that the 49ers with their cornerbacks room can't run man coverage, especially against a player like Devontae Adams. That's all we've seen Adams in his last five appearances dating back to 2018 against the 49ers, averaging 14 targets per game against the 49ers, against uh, this, this cover, because that's how you get him the ball. You just dump it off to him or find him in the zone coverage. Recall the last time these two play teams played earlier this year, also 18 targets for Devontae Adams. So I think the floor is tremendously safe. My, my real question here is you can't fade him in a two-game slate, right? Like you have to play him? Yeah, he, he's probably kind of a, a must-play. Okay. Uh, a note on those projections, I believe those are our ceiling projections. It's either like the 70th, 75th, or like 90th percentile. So that's why it's like a large discrepancy. Those get sort of extrapolated yes. as you move a standard deviations away from the mean. Which is fine because I think we should be using ceiling projections instead of median yeah, all the yeah. time. Like literally every week. Yeah, that's anyways. something I've had to uh, like adjust to this year. I've just I've heard people smarter than me talk about that being both a good way to get build uniquely, but also probably the thing we should be chasing in tournaments anyway. So definitely like was a oh. leak in my game in previous years that I, I've adjusted to this year. Uh, yeah. The interestingly, I, I mean, this isn't like that interesting, but when you look at all of the playoff teams, I believe every single remaining playoff team is a top half of the league coverage team per pro football focus. But the worst coverage team is the 49ers. I believe ranked 14th in coverage grade. You have probably the best receiver in the NFL facing the worst secondary that is still alive in the playoffs. Also tells a lot about how you should be building a team. If all the teams with good coverage are still in the playoffs, but you have the best receiver in the NFL, if not top two, top three, whatever facing the worst of the remaining secondaries, 18. I had to double check. I was like, there's no way you saw actual 18 targets, like real life USDA grade 18 targets. And boy, you were right. 18 targets for the man. I feel like to me, yeah. Well, do you do you think do you think Cooper Cup is more popular than Devontae? Do you think I have the right read on that? Because that's what I've seen around the industry projected. I think it intuitively makes sense. I think so. It's to your point that you think this is the least popular game. And Devontae Adams yeah. is safe. That's what I'll say. Like he's still he's still safer than Cooper Cup, in my opinion. But Cooper Cup's ceiling's higher since that's the better chance of a shootout. The fun thing about the 49ers, though, is that in playing Debo Samuel and playing Elijah Mitchell especially Debo Samuel and George Kittle, I feel like no matter the game script, like they're fine. Like all it takes is the 49ers competing or being ahead and you're totally safe on the 49ers offense. If you fall behind, like at the 49ers trail 14-0, you're screwed on Elijah Mitchell since he's not playing passing downs. But yeah. with Debo and George Kittle, you're just fine. And so that's why I kind of lean no matter what Debo Samuel, even in the four game slate, I'm almost willing to pass up Adams and Cooper Cup for Debo Samuel because again, even if they fall behind the 49ers, whether Jimmy Garoppolo's injury is a serious thing, I don't know, especially how much they're downplaying it or actually how much they're openly talking about it. That's the weird part. It's like, yeah, he's definitely banged up. It's just a flesh wound. He's going to be out there with no arms. Don't worry about it. So yeah, mm -hmm. I, I actually, like I think Debo Samuel's totally safe, has an amazing ceiling. And because everyone wants to play Adams and Cup, Debo Samuel will come in under roster because everyone thinks it's the better tournament play, George Kittle over Debo Samuel for cheaper, then Debo Samuel is going to come in under rostered. So now I'm back at, well, I'm just going to play Debo Samuel over the field and uh, let's do this and just put him in the wide receiver spot, lock it in for Saturday night. And then that's how I'm going to play it. So I think Debo Samuel's a the better play over George Kittle for tournaments because George Kittle's now getting steamed as the more intelligent play. And I think that's wrong. Do you think, I feel like to me, I'm not looking as much within teams for leverage on this slate. To me, it's, can you get away? And I feel like this is where I'm headed. Get away from playing that much of the Buffalo, Kansas City game. To me, 
I totally think it's possible. We've seen the Kansas City defense improve throughout the year. Buffalo has had an elite defense all year. And we've like these quarterbacks, especially Patrick Mahomes, as hard as it is to say, has not been the completely infallible quarterback we have seen in the past two years before this. He is at least capable of making mistakes, but I still think people won't. I think this game probably has more variance as far as a 54 point total goes than even like the same matchup last year or something like that. So actually, I'm perfectly fine playing George Kittle, not even over Debo, more George Kittle over Travis Kelsey, because I think their ceilings are essentially the same. I even argue probably Kittle has a, a higher ceiling, although it, I think it's flipping coins there. But I think he comes in less popular because people don't want to play his game. And he's also coming off a string of really poor performances in the sense of he didn't put up fantasy numbers. It's not like he was like playing poorly by any means. But when you look at the past three games they've had, they're all wins, mo at least two of them, at least long leading wins. They didn't blow out their opponents, but two of them, they had lead for most of the game, three targets, seven targets, two targets, mm -hmm. and then three targets in the game before that. But just before that, we were seeing 37 and 42 points. His ceiling is unchanged. We just have recently seen a string of bad games, but you could have said the same about Travis Kelsey at some points. I think Kittle comes in as less popular just by being less costly in terms of salary. Again, not to say you need the most salary, but also no, not really a difference in ceiling to me. So I'm going to take Basically, I, I think you can make this argument for Travis Kelsey, high ceiling, bad position, not that expensive, but you can just make it as much at lower ownership for George Kittle. To be clear, you think Kittle comes in under rostered because he has a lower salary than Debo Samuel? Did I mishear that? No, I think he no, I think he comes in un, under rostered because he's not Travis Kelsey. Oh, okay. Travis Kelsey kind See, of pulls I, him out. I, I kind of think everyone, well, I say everyone, I mean like 25 to 30% play George Kittle hoping to get on his ceiling game, even though, and that leaves Debo Samuel yet again at 15% or less. And so that's why I want to play Debo Samuel. Debo might not be popular. I actually can see that Debo probably will not be popular. I think though, I would be looking to try and leverage off of the Kansas City game. To me, that's the, I think that game will be overplayed as a whole. If you want to move two steps removed from that, that's where you get to Debo, which is totally fine. I, I have no problem playing Debo. To me though, I think as long as you're, for my strategy, is if I'm moving off the Kansas City game, I'm moving on the right direction. Fair. I still like playing Debo in the four game. Elijah Mitchell, I bet, comes in two top two or three highest rostered among running backs. In the four game, that means I probably want to get off fair. of him. In the two game, I probably just suck it up and take the 20-plus touches and play him. And again, if, if you play the wrong players in the first game, you have to late swap to Jimmy Garoppolo since he'll be the lowest rostered quarterback in the two games. So I would just make sure that like, that's where you're swapping. You also oh, yeah. pretty much then have to eat 2K in salary on the two game and swap from Debo to Ayuk. So just like be aware, that's what we're doing in the two game if that's what happens. But overall, I, that's who I like in this matchup. And then more importantly in the four game, I am willing to not play Devontae Adams and instead suck up Aaron Jones since he's going to come in significantly under rostered. And it's kind of... I was going to ask you. And you know what sucks is that even on this show, I no know one's I playing Aaron this, Jones it's hard to quantify it because we haven't really seen the splits play out yet since like Aaron Jones was involved more in the passing game and the first half over got injured in week 17, but then he got injured. Game script got out of hand. AJ Dillon took over Aaron Jones and they rested him. I, I would even argue like he wasn't injured. They just rested him in week 18 since the game was only there for Devontae Adams to break franchise records. So yeah, now Aaron Jones, basically three weeks of extended rest has practiced fully throughout the week. And if I'm guessing is involved in the passing attack more, that's kind of the way I want to go, especially when we know the other running back in this game, Elijah Mitchell, is going to be heavily rostered on the week. So 
I love Derrick Henry and I love Aaron Jones, both who I'm expecting to come in less rostered than their ceiling predicates. No one is playing Aaron Jones. Like people will absolutely play Derrick Henry. It's Derrick Henry coming back. And we all have the general idea that he's going to be healthy and get a full workload. I don't think people will have that idea for Aaron Jones, despite the fact that his full, like he doesn't need to get to 20 carries. He, he never does get to 20 carries. We want 12 and six targets. And the last time we saw him, we got six targets from him. I totally think because he hasn't had the, you know, the same type of electric season, he's been splitting and banked up more, but also splitting work with AJ Dillon. He is not that popular, but I don't think it changes his ceiling that much. His ceiling came from getting red zone work on a super prolific offense and the fact that he catches passes. And I don't think that changes for him. I think the thing that changes for him is he loses a, a good chunk of carries between the 20s, but that's not really why we were ever playing him. So I think he comes in as a really unpopular play, even on the two gamer. And anytime you tell me a player, I believe, and we have a ton of evidence, this, is really talented. He should play a large role and especially a high leverage role. I don't care if AJ Dillon takes, you know, first and 10 on the 50. It doesn't matter. As long as we're getting a good chunk of the red zone work and targets, which when you, like you said, when he was healthy, he was getting targeted. Yeah, that's all we need from him to have a good outing. So I totally think Aaron Jones is like one of the best leverage plays on the slate. Also, yeah. a super low floor. He could, if he doesn't go out and score a touchdown, they throw a few targets to him. He doesn't catch him. You could totally get bricked with like six points. Like, or he could be, not be healthy. I don't, I really don't think he's not healthy. He's had so much time to rest. And that final week 18, it did not seem like he, he was like, actually, like you said, it really seemed like we don't need the game. He's the one player who's the most banged up so we can keep him out. I'm pretty sure he could have played that game. So I feel like Aaron Jones is definitely a super volatile play on this slate. We've seen him have massive blow up games this year. And those are games when AJ Dillon was still out there. So I think sure, bad floor. We don't play for four. It doesn't matter. And since we know that the Packers get up by two or three scores, especially in the second half, that would be AJ Dillon time. I would also emphasize in the four game slate playing Aaron Jones in a skinny stack with either Debo Samuel or George Kittle, since that's the game script we're predicting. Yeah. Even mm-hmm. in a competitive game, Aaron Jones, I am assuming, I am building my lineup with the assumption I'm right. And I could be wrong, but I'm building it like I'm right that Aaron Jones is going to be the lead back, especially since he's under-rostered. So I'll plant my flag for the four game and say, I'm going to pivot from Devontae Adams to Aaron Jones. And remember, that doesn't mean Aaron Jones has to outscore Devontae Adams. That just means he needs to go over 20 points in a thin running back pool and then I'm piecing together wide receiver from there. So I like that as a lot for the four-game slate. Yeah, the fact that running back is so thin is what yes. makes it so easy because, you know, Devontae Adams getting 30. There are like seven wide receivers on this slate could get 30. There are like four running backs who could get 22 or something like that. So it you could just be – it's the relative value of Aaron Jones' score is what we're playing for. So I love that. And he takes on any of the non – like we've got Randall Cobb coming back, no MBS, I believe, and he takes on any of the non-Adams receivers. I, I like Randall Cobb for two game. It's very thin for four games, especially, <laughs> yeah, especially since we are waiting to see even something as simple as the Bucks promoting Justin Watson or John Brown from the practice squad. They've been talking about John Brown a lot. Great. If those guys don't get called up – with Cyril Grayson ruled out, or Cyril Grayson questionable. He's not going to play, though, I don't think. <laughs> Rashad Perryman. Rashad Perryman ruled out Cyril Grayson questionable. You have it, right? Thank you. Yeah, I don't think he's going to play, though. Rashad Perryman already ruled out. That means, like, routes could default go down to Scotty Miller, even 20. And, like, 20 for Scotty Miller is more important than 20 for Tyler Johnson, who's getting 30-plus and not doing anything with it. So I think everyone may get cute and play Tyler Johnson. I think they will. But remember – but remember, even Tyler Johnson's snaps and routes don't matter because he can't earn targets. So who cares? Don't play him. So uh, in the two game, I'm playing Randall Cobb. In the four game, I think it's pretty thin. That's so funny. And I would rather wait for like Scotty Miller. I think Isaiah, we'll get to Isaiah McKenzie. And then, yeah, a couple other thin options. 
that you'd rather get the ancillary options for the highest total of the week. I think we can move to the Bucks game because I had the exact same thoughts on Tyler Johnson. I ran 150 lineups on a few different sites. Don't do it. Don't I ran 150 lineups on a few different sites, and he comes up as like one. There aren't a ton of like you want to jam in Cooper Cup, Devonte, uh, you know, the good quarterbacks, right? And Derek Henry, because there isn't a ton of value. Leonard Fournette, there isn't a ton of just a lot of good studs. You want to play the studs, right? So if you run an optimizer, it forces you to play a ton of Tyler Johnson. And I totally thought the exact same thing. And I even have like the stats down. Like his yards per route run is like 11th or 12th on the Bucks. Like among the players they. Have, have he goes out there a lot and just doesn't get targeted like i like i like him coming out of college he's probably a fine guy but there's a reason he was like six on their depth chart to start the year and they've been whittled down like Rashad perriman was signed off the street and immediately like we also have to give Rashad perriman more targets than him he played 77 percent of snaps i believe last week saw like three targets he just doesn't draw targets so no i would not i would play scotty not- miller as the leverage play off of him 10 times out of 10 assuming we don't get cyril grayson treat dad to the good stuff at nordstrom rack and save big Father's Day is Sunday, June 16th, and Nordstrom Rack's got gifts Dad will love, up to 60% off. Shirts, activewear, watches, cologne, denim, and more. Find amazing deals on Tommy Bahama, Cole Haan, Original Penguin, and Vince. Great brands, great prices. So get to your Nordstrom Rack store now and make Dad's day with gifts up to 60% off. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see, so... No, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do not succumb to the spreadsheets. Hang tight and do not play Tyron Johnson. Also, Azura asked, too crazy to play Kelsey and Kittle on FanDuel. Tight end flex is always thin on FanDuel since we are chasing touchdowns. And the pricing is incorrect, like 4500 on a men uh, tight end. Or let's say like 6500 on a middling tight end. is still like, according to FanDuel prices, a... 100 plus yard receiver like a t higgins or something like that so that's why i think it's pretty thin but if you want to do it those are in a, in a four game slate i don't think it's off the board especially since we know kittle's ceiling that hasn't happened in a month but in that month he still run a route 114 times on 124 drop back so he's actually being used he's not staying in the block on passing downs he's just also not getting targets but we also know what ceiling he's capable of so if you do that no big deal just remember put kittle in your tight end spot and then pivot from your flex if need be. That's how you do this. I was very upset last week to look up in like spy tournaments and single and high stakes single injuries and see that people had knocks in the flex on Saturday. Very, very upsetting knowing they were <laughs> going to beat me and still played it wrong. So please just put them in your tight end spot and adjust accordingly. <laughs> Moving on to a game I still think may go under, but also I like it. Bucks Rams. Tell me, start with the Bucks side. Tell me how you're approaching this, knowing Leonard Fournette is going to be the highest rostered running back on the slate. I think Fournette might be the highest rostered player on the slate because unlike why... Interesting. Yeah, because... That's an easy fade then, right? It does seem like it's an easy fade because there are like solid plays at running back. Leonard Fournette is easily the best play because he like... 
he should basically be priced like Derrick Henry. If he's seeing that workload of like 15 plus carries and like his target total is just looking back since the last time he played, which is week 15, I believe seven, seven, eight, eight, six, nine, five. Like he is getting elite usage and there's no way that that has a downturn because they have now just such a, uh, you know, really lack of talent at receiver. But I, I think on these small slates, like playing the contrarian, if he just doesn't get in the end zone, and we know the Bucks are both one of the past heaviest teams overall and one of the past heaviest teams in the red zone as well, I believe, it's certainly possible that he gets 15 for 80, four catches, and you have a handful of other guys. Devin Singletary punches one in, you know, Clyde Edwards-Alaire gets one or something. I don't know, Phil. But there is definitely every player, every single player on every slate has paths to failure. And I think when you get in these small slates, people really overestimate their confidence in any individual play. I feel like at minimum, I will start without him in my lineups. If I, you know, if I get the complete nuts on the first two games, then maybe I, I probably do swap into him having, you know, if I play uh, unpopular as unpopular as I can get, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, CJ Ozoma lineup, whatever. And that really smashes. Sure, maybe I swap onto him then, but I'll probably start with him out with him not in my lineups and look to the passing attack. I've been thinking about it a lot, and in the four game, I do think Leonard Fournette's not a good GPP play given the ownership. Jumping to the other side very quickly, I also think Cam Akers is not a good play given the ownership, and I understand we expect his role to continue on, to increase further, but also we don't expect him to have success against the Rams' rushing attack. We expect it to come through the air, and so knowing that the field is jumbling down on Elijah Mitchell, Cam Akers, Leonard Fournette, all 5,700 to 6K, Devin Singletary as well on DraftKings. That's why I kind of like paying up for Devin, for Derrick Henry and Aaron Jones. That's how you immediately get unique. And in doing that, you could still go to one of Devontae Adams or Cooper Cup. You can also fade both. We'll talk about that at the end. But overall, yeah, I, I don't like getting on Leonard Fournette or Cam Akers. I'd said like targeting the passing attacks because I think Mike Evans and Rob Gronkowski have higher ceilings. What do you think about that? Yeah, I totally agree with the, uh, especially like Cam Akers, like road dog running back that's probably going to be relatively popular. And he's still probably in a committee as well. He was at least last week, although he was clearly the pass catcher, which is useful. But, but, but the which I'm sure you're about to say the annoying part though, and this is the why you fade him, is because Sonny Michelle got both goal line carries. And so even if Akers' role expands, like what if Michelle still hangs on to it? What if they're not even in goal line opportunities? Because we've also seen Odell Beckham used as their goal line back pretty much inside the 10 as well. Mm -hmm. So that's why I just like getting off the running back situation entirely and letting everyone else play Cam Akers because that's what they're going to do. Yeah, totally agree. And what was it that you said about the tight ends at the end of this as well? Oh, well, Tyler Higby, his ceiling is still, like, remember, he came into that game since he returned to the COVID list, still is, second in targets by Cooper Cup in his last five games. Uh, also, his ceiling is higher than you look at the box score because, remember, he had a drop in that game as well. So I still like Tyler Higby. The thing is, at 4K, I actually think he's going to be pretty highly rostered, even in the four game. I think everyone's going to kind of wait and pivot it out with Tyler Higby sitting there. And so I have another preferred play at tight end over Tyler Higby. Instead, I don't know if I can get off Cooper Cup. I think that's where I'm going over Devontae Adams, especially if I'm going to play Aaron Jones. Yeah, that's fair. If Tyler Higby's popular at all, dude, I wouldn't play a single time. He has like one, I think he has two games 
one game over 15 points the entire season, plus uh, the one postseason game as well. Yeah, one game over 15. Obviously, you need less points from him because he's not that expensive. He's not that expensive. But on this slate, when no one is really that expensive, he's not that much different than you know George Kittle. He's he's a little bit less. He's like a thousand less than than Gronk. But that's not an incredible amount. We're not talking about going down to like Anthony Ferkshire is like nothing. He's like 3K on the dot, I think. You're not going down to that level of savings, but you are giving up a lot of ceiling, I think. So to me, yeah, if you think he's gonna be popular, I hadn't really thought about him being popular. If you think he is, like totally just X him out right away. I'm guessing like 20 to 25%. I'd X him out of that. Yeah, I wouldn't play 20% because no if, if you don't, If you don't play, think about it. If you don't play Kelsey or George Kittle, this is kind of how I come to my guesses too. If you don't play Kelsey or George Kittle, if you're not paying up, then you pay down and like Tyler Higby is recently shown two touchdowns. He's recently shown a high target share. He's only 4k. Like it makes sense to actually pay down for him. And so I kind of think the field's going to get there. That's why I think the better pivot is not Cam Akers, who everyone's going to play anyways, but Odell Beckham or just mm -hmm. playing Cooper Cup and getting out of there. Honestly, I, I would That's like fine. to, I would like to say Stafford's a good play in a four game slate, but without the rushing upside, it's still, it's still very hard knowing, knowing just Josh Allen and Mahomes are sitting there like ready to end your life. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm not looking forward to like, you know, having some really good lineups heading into the final game and just knowing that it doesn't matter. They're not going to min cash. They're not even going to min cash. Yeah. Look at your lineups. Don't look at the green because the green doesn't matter until Sunday night. It does not yep. matter at all because they're coming to end you. Uh, also, I wish Gio Bernard was cheaper than 5K. Even so, I think he's kind of a good play. If we're fading Fournette, if we're fading Acres, I really don't mind getting Bernard involved if you're paying down beyond the the high 5k tier we already talked about because he's not going to be rostered and no. even if you think like a negative game script you're playing cooper cup you're trying to pay down at running back you can play 5k bernard thinking they're not going to play fournette and negative game script anyway so i still like playing bernard honestly i probably lean that more in two game slates but i'm genuinely not opposed to it in four yes. games. i'm not opposed to it i might end up late swapping to it because that's that's an option waiting for you if you're late swapping on sunday also i mentioned randall cobb I'm not playing Randall Cobb at 3,100 on DraftKings in the four game because I'm waiting for Scotty Miller and Isaiah McKenzie. Those are the better plays at cheap, in my opinion. Also, Demarcus Robinson, second most routes run. You know what you're buying. You know what you're buying into. You're buying into a over what we expect to be the highest scoring game of the week and hoping for a long touchdown. That's it on three targets, whatever. But he's 3,600, so you can go there as well. And I think all those options, McKenzie and Miller included, have higher ceilings than Randall Cobb. So I'm not going to play Randall Cobb because I'm waiting to see the practice squad news or like if the Bucks are really only going out with like four receivers because they're not going to play Jalen Darden. They're not going to run him routes. He's on special teams. They will literally just play Scotty Miller alongside Tyler Johnson. So that's kind of what I'm waiting on here. Yeah, totally think that they, yeah, they're not, Jalen Darden's like a straight up special teamer. And when you, when you said Gio Bernard, I was like, yeah, I, I'm probably not playing Gio because of his price specifically. If they had left him at like, you know, 4,500 or whatever, I'd consider it. But he is the, he is the perfect when you said it. I was like, oh yeah, we said like, you swap to Jimmy Garoppolo if you get on the two gamer. If you get Dallas, you swap to Jimmy because you just can't play any chalk at that point if you really get beat up. Gio is that exact thing. And he is perfect leverage as well because you will then be trying to claw your way back specifically with the running back in the same backfield as the chalkiest, what I think player of the slate, at a minimum, the chalkiest running back of the slate. So he is the perfect, like you could also go passing game, but you'll be still running into some popular options if you're playing any, if you're playing the good guys like Mike Evans, Gronk, they are probably solid leverage off of Leonard Fournette, but the real leverage would indeed be Gio. So if you go out and get crushed in the first two games on the four gamer, unfortunately you do have to play Gio. Keep an open mind. Also, let's say yeah. it's your flex. Do you have a strong lean on Evans or Gronk in a vacuum. 
I don't think I have a strong lean. I'd probably go towards Evans again. I mean, I, I typically just think, especially if it's a flex, since we're talking about flex, you're probably just garnering a lot more ceiling by going to Mike Evans. And I don't think there'll be uh, like that much. You're not going to get low low ownership on either one. So maybe you get low ownership specifically on Gronk in the flex. But like you said, last week, people played double tight end as well. So I don't think it's like completely unheard of. I'd probably go Evans. I agree. Evans, Justin hounding a 27% target share and being moved all over the formation, mm-hmm. basically as a down and distance, like short down runner last week, you know, they would move him around just to give him a two yard target, just to move the chain. So that's, that's super, that's great for his reception floor. And I'll target that. Ideally it makes sense if they throw Jalen Ramsey, the Rams do on him, but they don't, they haven't done that all year. Like they only shadow Jalen Ramsey against DK Metcalf in week 14. That's it. They didn't even shadow Jalen Ramsey against Devontae Adams. So I would still like to say they're not going to shadow Evans. As we know, we talked about it last week. We took the target volume over his historical splits against shadow coverage. And I'm going to do that again this week. But so we both, we both sound like we like Evans probably, probably more so than the field. Yes. I would think we are both very interested in Scotty Miller as Tyler Johnson, pivot. but also if he's going to play a near every down role in, he'd probably be that Antonio Brown role. That's actually exactly what he played before they had Brown was the deep, small outside player. He looks like he'd be a typical slot based on like small school, college production, small guy, but they actually play him mostly on the outside. Tyler Johnson makes sense. This is a big slot. Outside receiver, super cheap. No one's going to play him. We love Scotty Miller. We like Mike Evans. Like, I feel like at that point, we're probably eyeing ourselves up for some Brady sacks, and Brady will not be, in my opinion, as popular as the final game of the week as well. So I feel like, like, are we, I feel like basically everything we have said, and also it's good Leonard Fournette leverage, everything we've said has kind of pointed us in the direction of the Brady stack. We just have not said it yet. So... I will, I will disagree because everything I'm saying is for the reception floors. Like I'm taking the floors. I don't, I don't think I would take Stafford over Brady in a vacuum, even in the four game. And I like Stafford over Brady in the two game as well. But again, I, I can't, I don't think I can get there in a two game. Like imagine in a two game, Josh Allen and Mahomes being two of four quarterbacks available (laughs) and not playing one. I don't think I can get there. Honestly, even if Stafford goes for, even if Brady goes for 303, uh, does that matter? Like, is that good enough? So, oh, it totally couldn't matter. Yeah. yeah, you're like you're sitting there, like, oh man, guys, I got it. Yeah, I, I, so. I think I have the nuts. And then, and Mahomes, you know, he throws his fifth touchdown. You get knocked out of the min cash line. But, uh, but I will say, um, you know, Stafford multiple turnovers in his last four games because teams stopped blitzing him, and then the Cardinals blitzed him on a season high, fifty percent of his dropbacks, and he pelted them seven of nine for 140 yards and two touchdowns. The Bucks in their last matchup this year blitzed him 31% of his dropbacks and he went nine of 11 for 91 yards and one score. So the Bucks could adjust and not blitz him, but overall like the Rams also now have a at least viable rushing attack to counter. And so that's why I just kind of like the Rams to, to move the ball without issue. And I like Stafford over Brady. The Bucks are in survival mode, not saying they're going to lose, but like they are literally clinging on to life here because they have so few legitimate options healthy anymore and so i just their line is banged it just up too, yeah like it just may not be their year honestly yeah uh ryan jensen who's already banged up he's gonna play but like he's gonna be opposite aaron donald like you need to be at 120 percent, let alone 80 percent. so i just kind of like the rams either way that's why we know cooper cup has the highest floor even over cam Akers. that's why it just kind of feels safe to just play him no matter what and he's going to get there. Even last week when he was struggling, he still got there because Cooper Cup always gets there. It's unreal. It is very much like a, it's happened a few times recently where like he doesn't have the best first half. And, uh, you know, if you played him, you're like, well, it's dusted. You turn off your phone and then you you wake up next morning. It's like you made the cash line again because his role, I mean, his role is as good, if not better than anyone other than Devontae. Two game slate. I am keeping an eye on the John Brown news. 
Bruce Arians <laughs> disciple, we know they're going to throw him out there for deep routes. I'm yeah. absolutely keeping an eye on the John Brown news. So note that. Our last game, the main event, which has been hard to talk about every other game because this is kind of what we're waiting for here. Even the Scotty Miller, like we said, we're waiting on Isaiah McKenzie to sort of play it out in the last game. My thing is, I don't think either team stops either team. Like, I, I don't think either defense is good. You look at the quarterbacks, the Chiefs faced over the last two months, they haven't been good. The best has been Joe Burrow. He went over 400 yards with, what was it, five touchdowns? Was that it? Four touchdowns? Uh, either way, multiple touchdowns. And then you look at the Bills, they haven't played anyone, even like the Colts. Carson Wentz didn't have to do a single thing. Jonathan Taylor, their best quarterback, Jonathan Taylor, beat them single-handedly. And it's like, I don't I don't even know if either defense is good, but what I do know is though neither team will stop the other. So that's what I'm trying to pile on here. What's interesting, though, is that since everyone chases the invisible ceiling of Stephon Diggs every week, whether they bring back Josh Allen or not, I think Josh Allen is going to be not as highly rostered as he should be. I'm not going to say under rostered, but I will say he should be 100%, and he's going to be 40 or 50%. Mm. And thus, I want to be overweight even in four-game slates. I don't even want to get cute. I want to present. I want to hang it out, Josh Allen, to you and say, look at this. Like You cannot beat this, especially since last week he had – we talked about his rushing floor since they were doing more design runs – and he had five for 57 in the first half, and they only scaled him back for one carry in the second half because they didn't need to run him. They were done. They won that game in the first half. So screw it. So I'm going all in, and I'm just going to play Josh Allen. How about that? And then more importantly, when you play Josh Allen, I don't think – like everyone always plays Stephon Diggs, even though, again, his ceiling is false. It's not the same ceiling. I don't care about Stephon Diggs. Stop telling yourself he's the same player as last year whenever the offense Good. is more intricate and to get everyone involved. Thus, I think Dawson Knox comes in under-rostered. I think Gabriel Davis, who ran the second-most routes in the team, like decidedly started and was used over Emmanuel Sanders for the first time all year when they've been together. I think he comes in under-rostered. And then you still have punts like Isaiah McKenzie there at 3,500 who could score a rushing touchdown. So I'm going to onslaught the Bills. I don't care, and I don't think enough people are doing it. All right. I think we have a classic play the good plays versus GPP bro setup here. Cause I've talked about the whole, the whole show is saying like, well, how do you play these super popular plays? I do think easily, easily the best way to do it would be playing no Stefan Diggs because I mean, you, you laid it out perfectly. I don't have to double down, but you know what? I will. Like we are looking at a very similar scenario to what we saw with DeAndre Hopkins, where DeAndre Hopkins sustained his his quote fantasy value on scoring touchdowns, which is something he hadn't like really done to the extent that he did this year throughout the year. And that's what we've seen with Stephon Diggs. I believe he has like one 100 yard gain this year. And in my opinion, and it's what we saw with Hopkins, or at least a good explanation to it, is because they have a better and deeper receiving rotation than they have in previous years when it was just Stephon Diggs as the clear top option. Like Dawson Knox looks better this year. They have like Gabe Davis is finally getting back involved after actually not being super involved early in the year, even looking down to like an Isaiah McKenzie and Manuel Sanders is better than what they had with John Brown last year. So I think it's, it's quite obvious that Stefan Diggs has a way lower floor and a lower ceiling than he's had last year. Then we saw, you know, we kept seeing it throughout this year, but people kept playing him because they were playing Josh out. Got to stack, got to stack, got to play someone, got to stack with my quarterback. There are plenty of other good options. And now, since we're actually folding Cole Beasley out of the lineup and someone like Isaiah McKenzie in, there are like cheap 
probably not that popular. So I think actually like a Knox, like McKenzie or Sanders, Knox, McKenzie, Sanders, Josh Allen lineup. Maybe I will, you know, have some. Gabriel Davis. I put my stamp on the solo pod last week. You got to play Dawson Knox if you play Josh Allen. I will say you got to play Dawson Knox and Gabriel Davis if you play Josh Allen. Gabriel Davis is such an awesome play this week. You get the touchdown equity. You get the Josh Allen touchdowns as well. And we know he's a second receiver. We saw proof of that. It's a wild card playoff game. He started and ran the second most routes. That's all you need. Like that's your touchdown equity. So you got to play Gabriel Davis. Yeah, I think Knox, Gabe Davis, and Josh Allen, since everyone's going to be playing Stephon Diggs and probably only solo stacking, I don't, we still don't see, I, I think we don't see quite the appropriate level of double stacks yet relative to its optimal percentage. I think you will see way more Stephon Diggs, uh, Josh Allen, and that's it. So I probably, I probably actually kind of talked me into playing the Bills heavy stack, just no digs to receive two pass catchers. Again. Let's do it. You know, Knox isn't technically receiver. On so I'm actually, I'm on board with this. I like Isaiah McKenzie as well. I will say, because Devin Singletary is also a good play. If you play Patrick Mahomes, game theory wise, it makes sense. The, two, the four game slate, Mahomes is only 300 less than Josh Allen. And thus it makes sense to play Mahomes just to get off Josh Allen. But again, Mahomes doesn't have the rushing upside. Whereas in a, even if it's a competitive game, Josh Allen, again, does. And more importantly, what I love about the Bills is that we know they're out for blood. Like if they fall behind, Josh Allen can get there. If they get ahead, Josh Allen can get there. There's no score. There's no game script here that Josh Allen goes to the bench to rest. A 40-point lead, Josh Allen's in there for blood. So that's why I just love like playing all of them <laughs> together. The my only My only blocker would be I would not play Isaiah McKenzie – with Devin Singletary and Josh Allen, because you would be hoping Isaiah McKenzie, if you play him for a little like end around, for a little like a sneaky touchdown inside the 10 and design play. You want the end around, but he's in front of him. Yeah. And he does the forward pitch that counts as a pass. And so I'm open to playing Singletary with Allen, especially after Singletary ran a route on a season high 80% of Allen's dropbacks last week in the wildcard game. But also like I would only pick Singletary or Isaiah to play with Allen since you're hoping for the same thing really from both of them. So if you play Mahomes, Singletary is an awesome counter. You could even play Singletary and Isaiah McKenzie. I just would not play Josh Allen with both since that's kind of counterproductive. Yeah, I think, yeah, I'm on board with all this. I've been convinced that there is at least a positive expected value way to play Josh Allen. On the other side, how popular do you think uh, Tyreek Hill is coming off? Like, uh, I mean, last week he, I don't want to say he got there. He had a good performance, but it was, you know, 16 fantasy points. He caught all five of his targets, but he hasn't, he's had like one blow up game in the past, almost two months. I, I don't really know because he's so cheap relative to what Tyreek Hill feels like he should price. If that matters too much that he's had a few, we have like less box score chasers playing fantasy at this point, but I do think there's a chance that he comes in. Like, I mean, he probably will come in less popular than like Cooper cup, less popular than Stephon Diggs. I, I think, if he's anything outside of the top three owned wide receivers on this slate, that feels like kind of a jam. I, th I still think he should be inside the top three last week, led the team, led at least the wide receivers and route run coming off the week before that, where we saw him totally hobbled and didn't get any reports. And I wasn't bothered by it. I was fine with seeing no reports that he was injured, having all the Tyree kill and getting like three routes that game last week, looked fully healthy, was efficient, even though he didn't draw a ton of targets. So, I mean, they didn't have to play that much. And they threw like a O-lineman touchdown as well. So I think Tyreek Hill looks like he's back to full strength, will not be the most popular receiver on the slate. I think there's a strong argument that he should be. So uh, to me, 
I feel like I've just talked myself into playing a chalky lineup. I mean, he's he's Tyreek Hill six hundred. Yeah. I think that's that's all you need to say, honestly. Especially when, like we talked about earlier, prices are depressed on this slate. So, like even like a a T Higgins or someone around fifty two hundred to fifty seven hundred. Like you look up and Tyreek Hill's less than one k more. It's like you just played Tyreek Hill in the highest scoring game of the week, and you hope for the best. I also think even with Clyde edwards Lair practicing in full and back, Jarrett McKinnon is a fine play. I would imagine he's the one used on passing downs. And in those dumb plays inside the 10, since they're incapable of just running the ball, they always have to, they always have to throw underhand and have like seven big guys out there. There's no other way for them to play inside the 10 yard line. So I think Jared McKinnon is also a way to get sneaky touchdowns this game. The one way I would not do it is Byron Pringle, because you talked about less people box score hunting. People are box score hunting Byron Pringle. And that's the one he has touched on her bus. And there's no big deal with that in a two game slate, but in a four game slate, I think you got to stay away from Byron Pringle. Yeah. I don't, do you think he, where do you think he comes in terms of ownership? Sounds like he's the classic one. Like I'll play him. No, like I'll play 25 to 30. Okay, yeah. That I definitely not play him. Even if he gets like beyond 15, I really wouldn't play him. Cause he's the classic, like, cause he's still 4,200 with touchdown equity, but everyone's going to see those two touchdowns from last mm-hmm. week and play him, especially at a cheap price. So I'm just looking elsewhere instead. Yeah. I'm just play like Scotty Miller. We're just jamming. Whereas, no one will see the Gabriel Davis since he wasn't didn't really produce that much, but he still was second on team in routes run, like we already mentioned. So Gabriel Davis is a significantly better pivot here. Yeah, I think Chiefs backfield in general is a really good if you are behind on either slate, but probably more so the four-game slate. I don't think people, I think this will be like uh, paralysis by analysis. And also the Chiefs are one of the highest pass rate teams also pass a lot in the red zone. So it, there is an intuitive level of like, yeah, Chiefs running backs aren't going to produce that well. I think they're like the the perfect pivot if you've had a bad three or one game, depending on which slate you're playing. I don't think they're good plays in a vacuum, but you need to make up points in the event that you have a, a bad start. I also either, I've dwindled in my pool to either Titans defense to open the week since everyone's going to play the Bengals passing attack. And I want to be thinking with my narrative that the Titans are the significantly better team or playing a defense from this game. Uh, I would correlate the defense and the quarterback. Because again, we think both quarterbacks are out for blood. So we're not worried about low scoring or fair no matter what happens. We're hoping for turnovers into touchdowns. And so I'm going to correlate the quarterback with the defense and then play like Josh Allen and Bill's defense or Mahomes and Chiefs defense. I'm looking at some ownership projections right now. Looks like you get Rams really low owned. I think both the Rams, I don't know about Bucks as much. I think those two, especially Rams, could be really interesting because like we said, like dude, this could just not be the, the Bucks year. They are so banged up at the worst possible time against a defense with a, like superstars. So I think both sides of that game are just like uh, fraught with uncertainty. Obviously, they're really like they're no bad teams. Like even Jimmy Garoppolo as the weakest quarterback. He's fine. So I think that game is probably interesting from a defensive perspective. Totally fair. Any other thoughts on this game or the slate before we get out of here? No, I don't think so. You briefly mentioned there are a few spots. Even Aaron Jones, we talked about him being used as a receiver, at least a pass catcher out of the backfield, and Devin Singletary. And you talked about with Derrick Henry for a different reason, just for getting like all of the points of one team. But I think this is another spot where I'm totally on two-game and four-game really down to just stack the running backs. We have good pass catching running backs as well. But even if that's not the case, they don't get in like a receiving touchdown, probably going to be over the field on that as well, which we touched on. But I wanted to make my stance clear that I think that's a really good way. If one of these teams drops 40 some odd, you know, it would have been perfect with the bills last last week. Yeah, you're going to want running back, tight end, receiver, quarterback. And I don't think people super stack like that as much. Agree. And just remember to look at every lineup in late swap. That doesn't mean you late swap, but you need to look after every game to make sure your ducks are in a row. Just always remind yourself. 
And again, my, my flags would be Aaron Jones over Devontae Adams, given the viability of their positions, especially in a strong wide receiver slate, and also saving that 3K guy to Sunday. I don't mind holding that over to the flex and late swapping into that. With that, though, Kyle, this is it. This is the last DFS building block show of the 2021 season. We'll see what happens in the 2022 season, but no matter what, I'm sure we will both exist to talk about DFS somewhere. So any parting thoughts for the people as we move along? No, it was, it was a great year. Thanks everyone for tuning in. You know, follow Daigle on Twitter, not Jake Daigle. Me at Kyle Tweets here if you have questions, just want to talk to Slate. And uh, it's been a great year and I appreciate Daigle hosting throughout the year. You've been a great host. It's made it a pleasure to do this as always. You, Kyle, have significantly made me a better DFS player. And I hope we've made everyone better DFS players. I have learned personally so much, so much throughout the year, even if it hasn't led to wins in some weeks, just like understanding the landscape more, under, like laughing at other shows when they've only talked about like picks, we understand now in DFS, it's so, it goes so much beyond like, hey, here's this player who's priced at 3,500. But yeah, what about the landscape around him? And I still think so few shows actually do that. So if anything, I hope we made everyone better players and got people to step back at every point and ask themselves, why am I doing what I'm doing in DFS? Uh, and again, you helped me see so many things from my blind spots and make me a better player. We were on wins together. We didn't bink unfortunately, but we came damn close throughout the year. And so uh, we'll see what happens in the offseason. But nonetheless, we will definitely hope to carry this on. One of us will carry the torch. The building block show will last forever. A little ditty that Ian Harditz and myself created two or three years ago, and it's kept on going strong very obviously since. So nonetheless, this is the last episode of the year. We'll hopefully do some more DFS content next year. But until then, thank you for everyone for joining. We do appreciate you listening and watching throughout the season. We'll see you next year. Good luck this weekend. Good luck with your showdown two-game slates in the conference championship. You can reach out to him, like he said, at OutKyleTweets here on Twitter or at NodJDaigle on Twitter. But regardless, good luck, and we'll see you next time. Treat Dad to the good stuff at Nordstrom Rack and save big. Father's Day is Sunday, June 16th, and Nordstrom Rack's got gifts Dad will love, up to 60% off. Shirts activewear, watches, cologne, denim, and more. Find amazing deals on Tommy Bahama, Cole Haan, Original Penguin, and Vince. Great brands, great prices. So get to your Nordstrom Rack store now and make Dad's day with gifts up to 60% off. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. Auto Trader.